Well, good morning. I am Pastor Kurt Gentry, if I haven't introduced myself already. And again, happy Mother's Day. And just again, so glad you're here. And most of you know, I, this is my, let uh, me say most of you, many of you would know, uh, this is my first full year without having a mom in my life. And so it's interesting. And uh, most of you know, uh, or some of you know that I would call her every Sunday morning before I preached forever and ever. So this last year has been an experiment for you guys. So, because I didn't get her advice. So uh, hopefully it's worked out all right. But anyway, but you know, I learned a lot from my mom. Wow. I mean, we could, we could be here all day. You know, one of the things I learned, uh, you know, I, I scratched a dress. I've shared this with you before. I I had, I took a, I bought a brand mom, my mom and brought me a brand new dresser for my room. And for some reason, I took a straight pen and just wrote all over it. I, I don't know. I, I, you, you explain it. I don't know. But one thing I did do, I went and confessed it. Because I thought confessing it would get me off the hook. What I didn't know was that confessing, yes, is good, but it doesn't remove consequences always, okay? I remember her telling me to go out, and some of you, like I think I've shared before, my mom would probably be arrested today, but she was a great mom. She sent me outside to get a, a, a limb off the peach tree, to get a switch. And if any of you know, one of the things I learned from that was I thought the smaller it was, the better. What I found out was wrong because that's got more whip to it. So you, you go. So there's a lot of things I learned from my mom taught me all kinds of stuff, either, either by accident or on purpose. She also taught me, and I think I've shared this with you many times, is that in my years of rebellion and, and far away from God from about 17 to 26, when I lived at home, sometimes I wouldn't come home to three or four in the morning just drunk, drunker and you know what, and she would stay up in bed, stay up at the chair next to the picture window till I got home every night, whether it was three or four in the morning. Now she may fall asleep, but she wasn't going to bed till I got home. No repentance on my part, no confession, confession but unconditional love. And she showed it over and over. Another thing my mom showed me was justice. She'd say, one day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) She taught me a lot of things. You know, Jesus, as we look at Scripture, Jesus had this unbelievable ability, but when he came into the world to elevate people. The reason why we're doing the series, Somebody, and the song, I'm Just a Nobody, because he took people that were cast aside and he elevated them. Especially when they came interfacing with him. He changed culture. He changed the way people thought. He elevated them. And we can look in Scripture. He elevated mothers. He elevated uh, outcasts. He elevated a lot of folks. But when we look at Scripture, we don't see a lot of moms necessarily that Jesus interacted with and the story continue necessarily on, except his own mom. We, tell you, we know way more about his mom than we do his dad, no doubt. And I know this morning, for some of you, has already shared our prayer time, that for some of you this morning, this is a tough day. I mean, I, I, for me, I, I'm as about as... All I can speak from is I was blessed with two... One, an unbelievable mom, and an unbelievable one I'm married to, mom. And so I, I, that's all I've got as far as my own personal experience of being raised in a home and living with someone who is 
But I know that's not everybody's experience. Some didn't have their mom very long. Some want to be a mom and can. There's a lot of different things that may be different there. And some who did have a mom or obviously had a mom, it wasn't good. You almost want to forget it. So I realize that in here today. But one thing I know we can all relate to today is where we're going to camp out a little bit today, or hopefully the whole time, the rest of the time is, is that we all were just like Jesus. We were kids at one time, right? We were all that. Every one of us have gone through that. So today I'm going to share it because Jesus went from being a baby to a kid or child to a teenager to an adult. But one, the place he started, like the rest of us, was as a kid. So that's where we're going to camp out today because I believe all of us today can relate to that. Is that, is that okay? Everybody okay with that? If not, then you're going to be upset because that's where we're going. Okay. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read a few different uh, ones that will relate to this. But that's where we're going to reasonably camp today. Here we go. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter in. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This passage of Scripture is pretty sobering when you, when you really think about it. You can, you can read way more into it than you need to, but you can skip over it and not read enough into it, like a lot of Scripture. And we're, we're going to try to land on that a little bit here. But just, just think about this, though. Jesus is taking something here, uh, as he did with parables and things like that. He takes something that's familiar to teach something that's a deeper truth. And what he's allowing us to do, as he did, as we talked about in the parable of the sower, this way of teaching allows you to personally move into the story. Put yourself in the story. And I think it's one of the best ways of learning is that when you now see yourself in the story, it's more, you, you have a tendency to learn more better than somebody just telling you what to do. Hey, go do this. But when you can move yourself into the story, it changes it. So we've all been kids. We've all been children. Many of you in here have raised children. Many of you have worked with children. Many of you... So, so this today hopefully will be of help to you to understand. A few years ago, I, I taught some of this. And, but I've just this week as I was preparing, I just felt like... And, and I had kind of another thought and just felt like this might be helpful to some of you today. I'm going, how do we come into the kingdom? A few weeks ago, I taught on, in John chapter 3 about being born again. I'm not going to re-preach that, okay? But born again has something to do with children, just so you know. But how do we move forward in this now as a child? So hopefully today this will be of some help. But let me give you a little backdrop here. In the first century, uh, children along with women, along with old men along with slaves they were many times viewed as a burden if you will you know especially if they couldn't produce in a certain way they, they and, and many times 
in, in, especially in the Greek and Roman cultures, it was an accepted practice, especially with children in, in this sense, to abandon them on the side of the road. If they didn't want them, they would just get rid of them, or they could even, in, in some cases, just kill them. Now, in the Jewish tradition, the Jewish people fortunately saw children, and we can read the Old Testament all the way through, that children were a gift. They were blessed at times by you know, the patriarch, and you know, Jacob laid his hands on him, blessed. They were seen as gifts, except they had to almost wait till they got to adulthood to prove their worth. They were seen as gifts. It was important, but it really wasn't until they got older that they were seen as some significant, if you will, contribution to everything. So Jesus is here laying on hands. Is, is, would, would not have been unusual for the Jewish people to be bringing uh, their children to have this happen. It wasn't an, an odd thing, but Jesus is laying on hands. And all of a sudden, he notices the disciples in this circumstance stopping or rebuking or, or telling people, no, you can't do this. Now, to be fair to the disciples, if they are looking out for Jesus, which is part of their role, of course, how many times in, scriptures, in Scripture do we see the disciples reading the, 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 the context in a bad way? They think it's this, and Jesus is going, oh, you, you missed the whole thing. But in this circumstance, I could see, uh, again, if you've got this in your mind, you're raised as a, 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 in the Jewish culture. Children are important. However, if you see where Jesus is and you look at Scripture, you see kind of where he is at this point in his, in his life. Man alive. He is being pressed in in every direction. He's casting out demons. He's dealing with the religious. Crowds are pushing in on him. And here comes this situation. And he is now taking the time to bless children who really can't contribute at all to the situation. We got something big going on here. And I don't, I'm just trying to figure it out as I go as a helper to Jesus. And I'm just saying, this is too much. So we got to give, you know, a lot of times we look at the disciples and we read what Jesus says to them, you're going, what, what, guys, y'all should have known. I think they're trying to help to some degree with what they know about that culture and about children. We know Jesus flipped tables, right? Well, I kind of think about this right here. He, get, he becomes indignant. Think about that. He is fired up. You ever been fired up? You ever been righteously indignant? Well, you may have to ask somebody else whether you were or not. Okay? <laughs> In your mind, you may have believed you were. In someone else's mind, they may have a different opinion on that. But Jesus was. And man, he spoke into it. But by speaking into it, he tells a much larger truth that I hope helps all of us here today. Matthew uh, 
11.25, we have that up there, I don't know if we do or not, said, I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures, it's not the only place, I just want to make sure you know today, at the time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and revealed them to little children. Matthew 18, 1 through 5, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Uh, God, no, excuse me, that's the wrong one. At the time, the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children. Now, what did he tell Nicodemus? You must be what? Born again. Now, he's telling his disciples, Okay, you've got to become like a little child. You will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever becomes one such child in my name, welcomes one such child in my name, welcomes me. It makes me go back to even when he talks about Matthew 25. You know, Jesus, you visited me. You know, you know Jesus, when did we see you? He said, when you visited me in prison. When you gave me something to eat. When you visited the sick, it's to the lowest outcast. When did we see, when, when did we minister to you, Jesus? But let me be clear before I go any further. Jesus is not encouraging you to become like a child in the sense of a brat adult. (laughs) I'm trying to say this in a kind way. How do I say this? He's not saying that only little children go to heaven. And he is not proclaiming innocence in the sense that, has anybody ever had a two-year-old child? How innocent are they in selfishness? Do you have to train them to be selfish? No, we learn, we don't have to be trained to do that. That is something that comes within the nature we are born with so that part comes built in <laughs> so I want to make sure that you don't think that I, I don't believe that Jesus is painting this picture of innocence in that sense but I've got 10 things I'm going to throw at you let's see how far we get I've got okay it's Mother's Day so I'll be kind on time wise here see if I can get you out of here but uh, I've got 10 things I'm going to throw at you if I get that far, if I get too far into it, I'll give you five. But we'll see where we go, okay? Some of you, like I said, have heard a little bit of this sermon before many, year, many, many, many years ago. But hopefully it'll be of some help to you. Now, when I give you these ten of looking through the eyes of children, if I was going to be a child, how would, when I'm thinking of Jesus, what are some, things, some traits from children that we could take and put into our lives as believers? What are some of those? Now, I'm assuming... Obviously, that things are healthy, and that, I mean, I'm assuming uh, a healthy environment, a lot of different things that are assumed here. I don't want to disclaim this thing to death, but I hope it'll be of some help to you. The first thing is, I think for little children, they come as a blank slate. They come as a blank slate. I'm not, I don't have it up on the screen, so if it's any help to you, you just have to write it down. I'll repeat it a couple of times. The word says, unless you, re- you change, return, or repent, to turn from your course of conduct, unless you're reprogrammed in Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
that's the challenge we have as adults. One of the biggest challenges most of us have is, is that we've got to be reprogrammed. We've learned so much up to this point. We've got so much burned into us. When we come into the kingdom, there's this huge challenge of overcoming what we've already learned. But with little children, it's a blank slate. And when I think of Scripture, for some of you in here, one of your biggest stumbling blocks or challenges in your faith is potentially sin that you have committed along the way. That is already under the blood. It's long gone. The Word says it's as far as east is from the west. It's done. But the enemy doesn't let you think it's done. slate clean now consequences back to my mom (laughs) there may still be consequences of confession and consequences of what happened but the far as between you and the lord it's clean it's done it's under the blood you don't have to go back there again and when it's brought up you need to stand with confidence before the throne it's done it's been wiped clean As far as the east is from the west, dropped into the bottom of the ocean, if you will, it's gone. That's some of your biggest battle. Most children I know, they don't sit around and worry too much after they've kind of gotten in trouble. They move on. They might learn from it, but they move on pretty quick. And I think that was the shock as we talked about a few weeks ago in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. That our whole way we've been looking at life has to change. Another one is that they will not, or they still get the wonderment and awe of life and most of all of God. We had Cameron, our eight-year-old granddaughter's birthday a couple weeks ago. And I don't know about you, but with little kids, every present is an event. Everything is opened up, revealed to everybody. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, look, let's speed up. The ball game's on back there. Let's, we gotta get. They drag it out. <laughs> because there is this wonderment and there is this awe. And there is this something that every gift is something new and appreciated in that moment. Now, if they're a little bitty, they may end up playing with the box more than they did whatever you bought bought them. We realize that, okay? But there is this something. I remember I had an opportunity this week in remembering something that was told to me many years ago before Sydney was born, our oldest daughter. Now, I wouldn't, many of you know, I wasn't a believer when Sydney was born, and this week I was at the dentist office talking, this, and this, the lady that sat down, she's a young lady, uh, sat down, and I could tell she was pregnant, but you know me, I don't even, I don't say anything, okay? I've said this, I've, you heard me say this before, I don't say anything unless the baby's literally being born at that moment, I don't, I don't bring it up. But she did. And so we began to talk, and I said to her, you know, when I, I said, you know, before I became a Christian, I had my sales manager tell me, 
at a car business I was working at, he, he said, Gentry, I don't even know if he was a believer, he said, Gentry, that's what he called me all the time, he said, Gentry, do you believe in God? And this was like a month before Sidney was born, and I said, nah, yeah, yeah well, I don't know, I, I'm sure, I believe in God. He said, when you, if you're, are you, are you going to be in the delivery room? And I said, yes. He said, well, you, if you don't believe in God now, you will then. And I told this young lady that. She goes, I'm going to go home and tell my husband what you just said. <laughs> we don't ever need to lose the wonderment and awe of God. I think I told you a few weeks ago, many months ago, we were hiking out South Mountain. And we were hiking, me and Macy was on my shoulders, our four-year-old four year granddaughter and, and, and Tori and, and Cameron. And Macy goes, she, she turned around as we were hiking and she could see the city and the sunset. And that's back when it was cooler. And she's going, wow. She's going, Cameron, look, look at this. Wow. And then Cameron goes, wow. She's, he, and she said, is that all Arizona? And, and I've shared this with you before, but my point is, they have this wow. This awe of what's going on. It's prayed about this morning. The heartbeat. And some of you, uh, this last few weeks, we've been praying for that. Because God, is, there's some things going on in your health for the heartbeat. You appreciate that. You appreciate being able to get up. You appreciate those things. To have another day to do something. One of the things I love about little kids is that time slows down for them. Christmas can't get here fast enough. You remember when you was a little kid and Christmas could not get here fast enough? Remember as an adult, it goes by so fast it gets here faster than you, than you know. But here's the deal as we age, and I think it's, it's something research I've done on this a little bit. You know, we all say it, time flies. The older we get, the faster it goes. It's because when we age, and we read this, is the more often we come into contact with information our brains have already processed. This familiar information takes a serious shortcut through our brains, giving us the feeling that time is speeding up and passing us by. For young children, it's easy to see how this would work in reverse since the majority of information their brains are processing would be brand new and require more and more time to process. Still only 24 hours in each, everybody's day, right? But you're gaining the new. You're gaining the new information. I think for many of you, when you're learning more and more about God, and when you're in His Word, and I think things, life becomes, starts to rise up within you, things begin, even if it is going faster, you're learning, you're learning. I, I would just say even practical things. Continue to grow. If you want to slow time down, continue to grow. Jan and I had a conversation this week, and I know I'm going already over my time because I'm only in number three, I think. But Jan and I were talking. I'm reading this book be so, right now called Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. Now, it's a secular book, and I understand that can be taken wrong, but one of the things I appreciated about it is it's continuing to grow and continuing to become great at something. If you want time to slow down, start, continue to learn things. Try new stuff. Don't just do the familiar thing over and over and over and over again. Except coming to church. And I hope that's new. Because I'm going to address that here in just a minute. 
Because familiarity for kids give comfort, not boredom. How many times can a kid watch the same movie? I mean, really? How many times can you see that movie or that show? But they're okay with that, right? That breathe, the familiarity breeds comfort. Not complacency, but comfort. The other thing is they have courage. It takes courage to learn how to play the piano. It takes courage to approach the unknown. Stepping into new challenges. How would they ever grow if they didn't? Kids are willing to step into things that they don't know in order to grow. I mean, how would you ever learn how to ride a bike? How would you ever learn how to swim? How would you ever... But continue to step into that and take courage. And one of the things I love if they're in a healthy environment is that they're going to fail and they're going to be encouraged to get up again. I want to encourage you today if you're a new believer or been following Christ for a long time but a new believer if you keep stumbling tripping in your faith there's going to be this whisper in the spiritual realm to say give up just give up just give up I hope you're in a community where people say, get up. Get up. Let's go. Get up. But when you get up, let's do this. Let's look back at what tripped you. What was it? What what, what was it? Let's identify it. What keeps tripping me? And there's two reasons. Two reasons, I believe, to identify it. Where you won't trip over it again. But guess what? If you're a follower and influencer for Jesus Christ, no one else will trip over it either. Get up. Don't give up. Get up. That's what we would do with little kids, wouldn't we? Get up. Just get up. Let's go. Let's try it again. I have no idea where I am. Okay. Because I skipped over. I tied two of them together while ago, and now I got it all. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, you're my man, I'm telling you. Another thing I love about little children is their imagination is almost unlimited. Their imagination is almost unlimited. I, heard, I read a statistic one time, and they say 75% of all statistics are made up on the spot, so I don't know if this is true or not, but... Uh, they said that all, all, almost all five years old that are, all five year olds that are healthy, almost all five year olds when it comes to imagination and creativity are considered geniuses. But by the time of that, they're twenty five, hardly any of them are. And creativity 
imagination. Just look around at a sunset and don't, if you don't believe, we don't live under the power and authority of a creative God. Look at your hand move, your heart beat. They're unbelievable what God you serve and he has given you I don't know about a blank slate but man alive is he given you a lot of room to work you know in the garden what I love about sometimes teaching on this in the garden there was only one no everything else was a yes one no think about that only one no in the garden don't eat from that tree but everything else is a yes how do most of us, most, most of us operate from the no and just go looking for a yes when God has really said operate from the yes until you hear me say no. When it comes to imagination, creativity, churches should be the place where it's being birthed. I'll just say this in real short. They understand that delayed obedience is disobedience. They understand that delayed obedience is disobedience. Right, moms and dads? Right, children? (laughs) I said now. (laughs) Most of us as parents would never tolerate what we expect God to tolerate. We would never do it as human beings. I said now. Enough of that, huh? <laughs> continuous, <clears throat> continuous growth is expected. If you have a 15-year-old and everything else is right, who still can't walk or talk or run or go to the bathroom, <laughs> something would be wrong. We are expected to grow. We're expected to come in as babies to be born again. But we are expected to grow. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul and then the writer of Hebrews, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. 1 Corinthians 3, one. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. What he's saying is, those who do not continue to grow in Christ, who still claim Christianity, because he says, brothers and sisters, you still look like mere men. You still like people who don't know Christ. What does the writer of Hebrews say? For someone who lives on milk is still an infant. Not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. We are expected to grow. I will never, I've never apologized to my children for challenging them to grow in their studies in school, in their sports, in learning how to walk. 
learning how to swim. I have never apologized to them for any of that. Isn't that amazing? I'm a bad parent, I realize, because that's, that's bad parenting. You need to apologize to your children over and over. I'm sorry. I'm ha- no, you never apologize to that. We will never apologize here at Renovation Church for challenging you to be everything Christ has called you to be. Ever. Now, I realize it may be taken out of context at times, and you may be here for the first time thinking, that guy, Jan, says sometimes you act kind of like a smart aleck. I agree with her. I, I get that. Sometimes it comes across. I don't mean it to, but what I am saying to you is this. We believe God has got a great purpose for you. And if we don't challenge you to be that, I'm not sure what that looks like for everybody. But there are some consistencies along the way that will be the same. And we're going to try to work on those. And we are continuing to work on those. And thank you, Laurel, for giving us a shout-out in the video for that. Thank you. We will never apologize for challenging you to grow. Number nine, they are impressionable and imitate. They are impressionable and they imitate. Jesus says there in Matthew 19, do not hinder them. Do not cause them to stumble in Luke 19, I think it is. 17, excuse me. He says in Luke 17, it'd be better to have a millstone hung around your head and dropped into the bottom of the ocean than cause one of these little ones to stumble. Not fall and can't ever get back up again. No, just simply stumble. From small things to large things. You know, I think about things, I, I catch myself many times, and sometimes it's funny stuff, sometimes it's, it's amoral. I mean, I spit because my dad spit all the time. My dad used to spit all the time. I know it sounds gross, but when I just walk along, I'll just spit for no apparent reason. It's because my dad spit all the time. My dad walked really fast. So those who hang out with me, Jen and I will get into this. We're just, I'm just, I don't know what happens. I'm just like walking, man, I'll just go. And I look up and she's like, and it's not a, hey, I'm the head of the household. You give 12 steps back or whatever. It's not any of that. Okay, it's none of that. It's just a terrible habit I have. And then she'll, I don't know if she slows down on purpose. I don't know that part. <clears throat> and then I do this and then I get really get in trouble. And I'll start doing this little step like this. And, and Anyway. But part of that is just ingrained in me because if I was going to keep up with my dad, whether it's out hunting in the hills or wherever you were going, you better, be, you better have your track shoes on. But I've shared with you before, and I won't go in depth on this here except to say this. With little children, they normally don't think abstractly as much. They, it's more caught than taught. They need a person they can see Jesus through. Allow your children, wherever it is, but you as little children, if you're considered in this text here, but allow little children to to experience your love and your joy and your peace and your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness and your self-control. Let them watch you. 
Don't let them see you be the most critical person they've ever met or, 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 or the most gossipy person they've ever met. No, let them see this. They should seek us for wisdom. I hope and pray that as, if you've had children, that your children come to you for wisdom because they've seen you live it out so much. Do you know the other thing I think our children expect from us? They expect us to understand what's at stake. Do you know most children don't understand what's at stake? You know, I showed a picture, I think we have the picture up there, of 1999 and 2019. <laughs> Do you know how many for Jan and I, how many thousands of decisions had to be made to get to here? And to think about this. How many thousands of decisions? How many per day do we make for us to keep going the right direction? Decisions we make every, still this day, and they're all grown. Not everybody's out of the house, but everybody's grown. Okay. Just messing with you. That never stops. Do not hinder them. That doesn't mean physically don't bring them to church. That's not what that means. Even though I think it could be that. What it means is don't live a life in such a way that would hinder them or cause them to stumble. Now I'll tell you, Jan will be the first to tell you, and I think we both could say this, we're not perfect. We're not even trying to imply that. But I'll tell you what, we had a filter that we made a decision on in 1986 and 87 that this would be the filter of doing everything else moving forward. Not perfect. Do not hinder them. But as a child, you want to see the greatest example. You need to be in the Word and looking at the life of Jesus. Because some of you may not have that opportunity to watch other people. I get it. But be in the Word. And the last one is this. And I really believe, honestly, I've said all these other things, and these are things you can take and throw out, but please don't miss this one. If you've missed all the others, and and Please don't miss this one. I really believe more than anything else what Jesus is expressing here in this passage of Scripture is. Is this helpless dependence. Children have a helpless dependence that comes naturally that they trust. I don't know about you. Have you ever given a child a gift they didn't deserve? They just trust you that they deserve it. <laughs> they don't ask questions. They don't wonder whether they earned it or not. They just go with it and enjoy it. They don't let it hang over them and go, man, I should have worked on this harder. I'm going to have to set this aside for a while until I work for this. And Hey, mom, I've worked on this. No, most children don't do that, do they? They take something they've never deserved and they run with it. They run with it. They have this trust and dependence that you, as the parent, figured it all out. 
And all you got, and all we have to do as children is just lean into it. Like when I stand in the pool and tell them to jump off, they figure, I've already figured all the rest of it out. Just jump in. They have a dependence and a trust that I have. When we spend time with God, when we spend time in the Word, we spend time in prayer, and He says jump, we just assume He's already figured the rest of it out. We already assume that He knows what's at stake. We just believe that. So we jump. The other thing that children are willing to do is ask for help inside of that dependence. The other thing they'll do, have you ever had a child go ask you like 20 times for the same thing? It's like the widow or the judges that... Keep coming back to God. Keep praying. Keep bringing it to him. Keep bringing it to him. Keep bringing it to him. Keep annoying him. I don't think we annoy God very much, just by the way. But keep bringing it to him. Keep praying. Keep asking. If it lines up with his righteousness, man, you got a great shot. And inside of that blank slate that he gave you when we talked about right up front, there is so much potential in your life you don't even understand. That is the reason why our passion here at Renovation is to raise up influencers. Because we believe there is so much potential you have in you that has never been tapped. And Again, we'll never apologize for asking you to live into that. One of the hardest things I ever did. Ever. Was drive away from 400 Johnson Avenue in Wake Village, Texas at the end of 1997. And that Penske truck and that Astro van driving to Arizona. And my mom on her knees crying in the front yard as we drove off. And there's a couple of couples in here right now that were in that front yard as we drove off. They were there that day. Knowing that my four grandchildren, or her four grandchildren, obviously my dad too, but they would probably not be raised around them. Knowing that from a distance, I may have to end up watching them in their last years, which I have done, and pass away. But my mom understanding, and my dad understanding, and we understood the call of God in our life. That what we filtered our life through was whatever God was trying to, what would it, best we could understand it. What was God asking us to do? And we tried to do that. My mom was willing to let go <clears throat> because she knew that. Can you imagine Mary? Can you imagine Mary? How many times did she go back to that? stable or cave or whatever you want to describe it. How many times did she go back to that? What was it like when he laid the hammer down, if you will, uh, metaphorically or literally, I don't know, but he laid the hammer down and he, and he took his tool belt off and the sawdust, and he cleaned the sawdust off of his... And he said, I got to go. 
Did she go back to when he was 12 years old? And he said, you knew where I would be when they couldn't find him. Did, 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 did it come back to her in that moment? When he said to her, you knew where I would be. I know you thought I was lost, but you knew I had to be in the Father's house. You knew that's where I have to be in the Father's will. What was it like that 30-something? She's almost probably 45, 50 years old. What's it like to now see him die? That horrific death. Not understanding all of it till just a few days later, maybe. Well, what was that like on a Mother's Day? Well, what was that like? And I've just got to believe part of what went through her head even later was, I hope it's not all in vain. It's just not in vain. Do these people understand what he's doing for them? It's not in vain. My life it wasn't. I hope in your life it hasn't been. But on Mother's Day, come as a child, but remember. Remember that I believe a mother's just thinking, Mary going, please don't let this be in vain in your life and in their life. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come as we close this morning. Actually, wasn't going to do an invitation, but we are going to now. <laughs> I know on a Mother's Day it's time to people go eat and everything, and I appreciate that. And you can, and as we're going to stand, you sure excused if you want to. But if you want to stay and have an opportunity to pray this morning around these altars because I believe the number 10 is the most important thing I hope you hear today and what Jesus ultimately was saying you have to come as a child helpless dependent trusting that he holds all of it you don't have to know all the answers you just gotta believe he does you just got to believe he knows what's at stake. Not you. He'll let you in on it. That's what I believe. Would you stand as we will sing just shortly? But I'm going to, these altars as we have talked about over and over. Again, I know it's an odd day to be doing this. But what a great day. <laughs> Potential for some of you. That on May 12, 2019, you came and said, I come wholly dependent. Holy, I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y. I come completely dependent, trusting. If you've been a Christian a long time, you know in the church of Nazareth, when we talk about entire sanctification, well, what many of you need is consecration. Where you come and just lay everything down. You're a believer. That's not the issue. You have just not laid everything down down including some sins that's been removed as far as the east is from the west to lay it all down but as we sing you're sure more than welcome to come and pray this morning I'll come back up and close in prayer afterwards but would encourage you today sometimes it's a step it's that it is a physical step that means a a, a a 
metaphorical step as Jesus would teach about following after him. (laughs) I just encourage you to do that. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you were just indignant, Lord, in in the righteous way of saying, look, guys, you cannot get into the kingdom without totally, helplessly, if you will, being dependent on me. It will not happen. Thank you for those words that were recorded, Lord, to help us today to know the next step. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.